Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Janelle. Today, I have with me Christopher Yonker from Buffalo Restoration in Bozeman. Christopher, how are you, my friend? Hi, Clint. I'm doing good. Good. Uh, right here on the the verge of the holidays and hope everybody's got their shopping done. Yeah, right. It's so great right now. And we were talking before we actually started recording that it's unusual for you right now in Bozeman, where typically it'd be cold and, and maybe even white right now, right? Yeah, it's we've had quite the dry spell uh, for the past few weeks when temperatures are they're a little higher than we're used to, probably by about 10 degrees. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, so I think I am in DFW. I think it's supposed to be 60 degrees all week. So we'll have a warm Christmas and we occasionally get some white. We'll get some snow falling and get a white Christmas, but it doesn't look like it's in the cards for this year. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but yeah, just right around the corner on this one, right? Yep. Coming up. Yeah. three. Christopher, talk to us about uh, your journey into the restoration space, into entrepreneurship, into Buffalo Restoration. Let's chat about it. Yeah. My folks started our business in 1991 in the garage of our house. They had seen and heard in our marketplace that there was a better opportunity to provide customer service in the industry here in our marketplace a lot of people were not happy with the way they were being treated and my mom and dad being servant-hearted individuals and really creating connections with their customers thought that they'd be wanting to step up to the plate and work on offering that service they didn't know anything about the restoration industry at the time and my dad immediately identified the, the need for using industry best practices as a level playing field to provide service for our customers and, and really that standard of care that protects health and human safety and gives us a, a baseline for contracting and setting expectations. So that's always been a foundation of our business is being involved with the Restoration Industry Association and continuing education. My dad's all about education, and he's instilled that in me and um, the values of our our team. So we spend quite a bit of time and money and efforts working on our training programs, be they in-house training and sending people out to gain certifications, build confidence, and get more industry knowledge, depth, and experience. So that's just been, like I said, a huge foundation for our business. And my dad has always done a great job of inspiring people for the science behind restoration and the customer service side of things. And I really believe that we're we're a cross between healthcare in a lot of ways and restoration. 
or construction, so to speak. Sure. And our motto is to make it feel like home again. And I think that really creating that connection with your customers and understanding what drives their needs, be they even outside of a industry standard, there's that education piece for the customer, for them to understand risks and pitfalls through a restoration project and let them know what's at the end of each different road that they might pick and mutually work along with them towards that end that they're satisfied with. That's their home and it's their choice. But just that education is what I'm continuing to want to resound sure. um, with you. I started out as a technician. I went and did calls with my dad even while I was still in middle school and high school and my spare time and just got to see the way that he worked with customers and did his inspections and communicated with them was huge for me. I really loved working in the field. I loved that same part of finding creative solutions, teaching our customers and the learning aspect for me in the industry. When I got started, mold remediation was a, a really big part of that was a growing sector for us. The, the mold at the 8 Houston was the big thing that was going on. And I really got involved with that to learn best practices to protect the workers, protect the business, and ultimately deliver a quality product. But just, I loved working in the field. I, that was really super fun. And my folks started to want to try to work me in towards learning more management things. In my youth, I was stubborn and just wanted to put my head down and, and get after it, which I think helped teach me a lot about efficiencies, processes, and the struggles of what it's like in the field, getting blindsided with different things and customer needs and, I guess, intricacies of different building construction. And that's been a big part of working on the administrative side now to help bridge that gap. Um, I think that in-depth industry knowledge of working in the field for 17 years and then moving and, and starting towards doing estimating and management from the office. I, I remember the first time that our accounting person came to me with some questions about what was going on in the field. And I said, how, how are you understanding that? And she's like, I can see it in the numbers here. And I, I agreed with her. That's what was happening. I don't remember specifically what it was, but I was really shocked that the numbers could tell a story like that from the analytical side of the accounting. So it, it gave me more appreciation for the, the charter of accounts and, sure. and understanding how we're splitting things up. And so I guess that's really what, how I got started. And the vision is to continue to make sure that we can support the people in the field, be able to track our processes and systems through the numbers, and then be able to make changes to either behaviors or our systems through the analytical side. It's great, man. So tell yeah. me, what were your, you said in 1991, your parents said, hey, we can do a better service. What were they doing in 91 when they started this? What were they doing before? Uh, they were, they, come they from? had a painting business. It was called Buffalo Painting. And okay. Bozeman was growing at that time. There was a, a little bit of a boom and they were out doing painting, interior and exterior painting services. Yep. Okay. And then just decided, hey, 
Uh, there's a need for, what, what, did they do carpet cleaning or did they start just straight and restoration? Yeah, we did carpet cleaning. That was part of it. Um, and we most guys in 90 were doing where they came from right it's like carpet cleaning not spectacular drying processes at the time right because the technology we didn't understand the science as well as we do now um, yeah and then we started the mold industry as a result of all of that right it's interesting that's where that came from but yeah certainly in your parents mindset it was i'm assuming there were restoration companies existing at the time and they just were not being handled. There were complaints in the community. What was happening that made them go, hey, here's an opportunity. And we think we can do this at a level of customer service that's going to exceed the client expectations. What what was going on in Bozeman at the time? Yeah, the, the message that they were getting from people in the community was that it the customer service side of it was not where that people weren't being met in their homes the way that they would like to be taken care of. And and my folks knew they could do that. Okay. Yeah. So then there was a need to provide a better level of restoration, which is what made them jump. It wasn't, they were trying to get out of the painting. Did you keep the painting going for a while? Do you still have the painting going? What's the story there? Yeah, we do offer painting on, there is painting contracting that happens on our project. My dad, he was getting tired of painting. He had a growing family, and he's he describes it as riding two horses at the same time for a while. It was hard to let go of his bread and butter as he was trying to get the restoration side of things up and sure. running. Um, and that was it was a big stretch for him. And he's a dedicated and tenacious man um, with a big heart. And I think that's the service side of it really fit for him. Okay. That sounds like just listening to you that the big heart part has been passed down, right? Like you guys as a family and then as a company have this compassionate side that want to do your job and do it well and take care of the customer. And the just the statement of, I may not say it exactly right, but to make it home again. Yeah. Say what is that? Feel like home again. Is that's that alone says quite a bit, right? Because I can tell in the communication with you where that comes from. And it's this, this experience that you had is a catastrophe and it needs to feel back like it was so that you have that comfort and that peace. And it sounds like that's something you guys have ingrained throughout your company. Yeah. That's a big part of our defining anchors for success is it specifically says it's create a connection with your customer through the way that you speak and act while delivering industry best practices. And it's even how do you make it feel like home as best you can during the process? Nobody elected to have this happen. Uh, I feel sorry for individuals that are having water losses around the holidays. It's wrecking their plans. And how can we meet them and, and gain some normalcy back in their lives? Yeah. It's tough. And you mentioned that around the holidays. So I'm in DFW and I think it was 2015, 2017, one of those years we had tornadoes uh, on Christmas Eve and it just spun everything out of control and Christmas presents are gone and, and lives are disrupted and, and chaotic for a lot of people. Uh, and then this last uh, Christmas, we had that polar, vo- polar vortex that covered 75% of the country. I'm sure you guys were hammered in all of that. We were hammered here. And so it's 
all plans are off, things are different. We're navigating how we address that and how we care for customers. And that sometimes gets really difficult, especially in the chaos. How do you guys as a company maintain in your employees carrying that message forward and in your customers the idea of caring and compassion in the middle of the chaos? It all starts with the hiring process. I know that over the past years, I've heard every business owner pull out their violin and talk about how hard it is to find help. And I just really wanted to challenge our team around that, that we can't let our our values slide. I would rather, I hate to say it, but I'd rather not take on a project that we can't do, even though we want to help people. But if we don't have the, the it, it is all based on our team. If we don't have the people that fit our company culture of that care and compassion side, we can't continue. And and it's, we still, even through the pandemic and all of that, we're very scrupulous around hiring. We made sure we did in-person interviews. We weren't just hiring the next person that showed up that would show up to an interview. It's it, it increased the amount of time and effort we had to put into it and the places we had to go look for people But just bottom line, it's who are you letting through the front door, even down to your entry level technicians and how do we communicate with them the vision behind why we do what we do? It's what we do. Restoration is something that everybody always talks about, but it's the how and the why I think that really stands out. And how do we provide value and differentiate yourself in the marketplace and I don't know of anybody that's created a particle accelerator or something that can make a job go faster. And it just really falls down to your systems and your processes, your communication, your contracting, and then the people that you have executing it on a day-to-day basis. And now everybody on our team is my customer. And how am I making sure that they're having a good day, that they're not pulling more hours than they can manage, that their home lives are still have some normalcy. I know that there's always the emergency on call side of things where we got to make sure we're scheduling and allocating our resources appropriately because it's hard to have compassion when you've worked for 60 hour plus weeks in a row. And so it's just really about that stewardship of management and inspiring people, showing them the why, and instilling those values that they're not just a words on the wall. It's how do you make that part of your business process and make sure that everybody can see what that successfully looks like and then train people through it when we miss the mark, which we do. Sometimes people have bad days. There could be a bad customer interaction and how do we recover and use that as a teaching moment for everyone involved? Yeah. Cause things happen, right? Sometimes people don't feel good. They work 60 hour a week. Don't feel great today. Customer makes a weird comment and they don't respond as well as they potentially could or should. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of tips or tricks do you have in regard to maintaining that culture in your environment? Well, you're going to get what you tolerate. So I think it's around clear communication about what's expected. It's through good 
resource allocation, being able to pay attention to hours that are being worked, you know, having your key performance indicators out there, getting soliciting independent customer feedback. We build into our company meetings, shout outs that when customers call and praise our team members for those behaviors, those are positively reinforced. And then we do training around around just people interaction with how do we stay out of conflict with customers. And really that's not about always being a pushover. Yes, man. Um, staying out of conflict is about having clear boundaries and expectations on what you will and will not tolerate from your customers and what you will and will not tolerate from your team members. I, I We fired customers that treat our team like garbage. They work hard enough to, they don't need to be belittled or uh, berated on a project just because somebody's having a bad day. And we just say, hey, it's, uh, that's not going to work for us. And if the customer can come back and apologize and admit that they were not behaving in a manner that's <laughs> conducive to human relationships. <laughs> yeah, humanity. <laughs> it, when the team sees that, they feel supported and we have to do the same with our team members if they're doing that too. But yeah, the humanity part of it. I think that's important, right? Because especially for the guys that listen to this podcast to hear, because we have a tendency when we're early on, whether you're whether your father did this or not, it's when you're first trying to start a business and build a business, you want all the jobs that you can get because you think all jobs are good jobs. And it yeah. takes a little while to mature into the reality of not all jobs are good jobs. I would rather not have this job than have the headaches of this job, or I'd rather not have this job and then have to fight to get paid for this job later because somebody's going to complain about something when I've already done the work. And it takes yep. a, it takes quite a bit of maturity in the business side of things to be able to look at that and go, hey, I, I'm not going to let you treat our people this way. This is not mm -hmm. how this is going to go. We'll, we'll move on down the road and do something different. Have you had any that you've allowed to come back as customers that apologize that turned out to still be a problem? There's been some individuals that have that they continue the cycle. Again, I like to say, hey, we won't do that or we don't accept that. And there are some people that have those con continual ups and downs. But I've taken some people that were in that and they go, whoa, thank you for pointing that out. And we've created extremely great relationships with them. And it, it creates a, a higher level of trust and accountability with them as well because the customer has to have their water too they can't just they're not victims they, they need to take some responsibility for the project as well yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's it's interesting environment to, to navigate some of those relationships that way and and i applaud you for being willing to you know make those statements to customers and sometimes it's hard because especially if you got sales guys and they're like what i'm going to lose this project yeah because your customer's being a punk uh, but it sounds like you offer, you guys offer a lot of grace uh, in a lot of places. And and I appreciate that. And I applaud that um, because especially most of our customers have, <laughs> they didn't anticipate this. They didn't plan this structure fire. They didn't plan this massive water loss that caused their kitchen to collapse. And so grace there helps move things a long way, but also setting that boundary and expectation to say, look, I, you can't just walk all over us. We're here to help you. And, and we're trying to make the most of all this and we're going to do our jobs and do it. So let us do our jobs and do it. Let's yeah. get along in this environment. And I applaud that, man. Yeah, I learned that from my dad. He 
him working with me through he did a good job of <laughs> helping me along the way too because i'm not perfect as a human being and i've had my bad days and he just he was steady eddie and was a great mentor sometimes maybe i wish he would have had a little bit more of a i think that grace is, can be a double-edged sword but it's also been a it, it's a fine line it is uh, so yeah it is indeed a fine line because it's they make it it can go either way fortunately you grew in it instead of and and as a parent now it's challenging to try to so i i have three um mm -hmm. i have a 15 year old son that's a ice hockey player and so he he has some that's a violent sport right mm -hmm. <laughs> and your 15 year old boy trying to grow into some things and there's some challenges there and then i have a daughter that'll be 12 on friday and then i have an eight-year-old boy and trying to navigate the three of them and being hard and compassionate and and offering grace and demanding discipline comes with some challenges and i think you find that even in in employment right dealing with your employees dealing with your family there because they become far, part of your family too i'm assuming you don't treat all your people the same way each one has a different they have to be tended to differently. Yep, 100%. And that's we just have every team member has a weekly coaching call or a coaching appointment with their direct supervisor. And we go over strengths and weaknesses in their personality, work with conflict resolution. And it really is. It's taking individuals and, and growing them and teaching them how to work in the world. I, I'm not a doom and gloom kind of guy, but I think there's a lot of opportunities to coach people in, in how to be stewards of a community, whether that's the community inside the walls of your organization or just outside in your marketplace. I think a lot of, there's just a lot of infighting in our social institutions and organizations right now. And how do we overcome that and take control um, of our destinies rather than just floating down the river Sure. That's a good point, man. I, I like the idea of the weekly coaching call with each person, right? About how long do those last? Are those 10-minute calls, those hour-long calls? What happens there? Typically a half hour, one-on-ones, or it, it, depending on the position, I, all my direct reports I spend an hour with each week. We go over uh, KPIs, what's coming up for them, check in on their to-do lists, and what do we got to do to move the business forward as well, not just projects. So how do we work in the business, which is jobs and on the business, which is our systems and processes and reviewing what's working and what's not. And then identifying is it a behavior issue or a system that's broken and objectifying that and how we give feedback. I think the construction industry is a lot of shaming and belittling and you can talk about a behavior. Here's my observation. Here's the impact that it's having on either our customer, our organization, or our brand. And here's the ask that I need for you to do to move forward. And can can we agree on this? So just getting objective about it, having really clearly defined expectations helps because it's a lot of people want to make excuses, blame, claim ignorance or whatever, and how do you get people to own their behaviors, admit reality, and find solutions to make things happen, and 
that's takes every day. And yeah, and I gotta, for sure. I got to do that and be accountable to our team as well. Sure. So what are some of the KPIs that you monitor with different reports for, I'm assuming different KPIs for different reports, yep. right? It all starts with what are the activities that the marketing teams are doing to bring in leads? Then what, how many leads are we getting in? How are we closing those leads? How fast are we producing the work? What's our average job size? And then customer satisfaction at the end. And, you know, are we maintaining a viable organization financially as well? So that's the key. That's the key performance indicator, right? (laughs) Is are we going to be able to still be open? Yeah, that's one of the legs of the stool. It's was our team happy? Is our customers happy? And are we making money? And we got to focus on all three of those. Sometimes if we get too focused on profits, the customers and the team suffer. And so it's just really making sure each one of those is in a healthy spot and focusing. Sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. So there's, there's so much that we could talk about. Uh, I don't know how tight you are on time, but we slated for 30 minutes so we can wrap this up pretty quick and yeah, I do have a commitment at 1030 okay. that I need to get to, but I'd be happy to continue another conversation with you, Clint. Anything we can do to help the industry is important to us and I think to everybody, that our communities and our businesses. Yeah, and, and when you say community, I love the way you said that because you talk about community being your staff and then you talk about your community, but inside your staff community, then we have the restoration community. And and there's so much time has been spent where we're all competing with each other. And I know some other guys are out there in your area um, and and you build relationships with those guys. It's a better way to do it than it is to fight with them. So navigate that community. And I love it, man. So before I let you go, there's some other questions I could ask, but what's one thing that you would want to tell everybody that we haven't talked about yet? And then maybe we circle back to another conversation in the future. It's never... Never too early to build strong processes in your business and it, the basics executed impeccably are, are going to really support you as you grow and culture each strategy for breakfast. Definitely true. I love that one. That's one we can tag back onto for uh, the next combo because yeah. that's absolutely true. If you got your team rowing in the same direction with you, you're going to be able to do what you need to do. Uh, and I love that idea from the the that concept of culture. Christopher, man, I appreciate the time this morning. Uh, I definitely want to circle back and have another conversation with you at some point uh, and and ask some more questions about where you guys are now and all that stuff, because I think there'd be a lot of good combo there. But man, I certainly appreciate the time. Thanks for joining me. Merry Christmas. And we'll talk soon. Yep. May Santa bring you nice things. (laughs) This has been a Business Aspirin, pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.